do we think, oh, in order to have a connection with my child, I need to go on that vacation. I need to go somewhere and do something. But it's something that I, I try and tell my students all the time in the audition secrets world and everything. It's like fame is for suckers. Mm. fame is not the thing that you want fame is a tool to leverage in order to get what you want well it's the same sort of thing in parenting the doing of stuff is not what you want that is not the cachet the cachet and we know this in business as much as we can know it in parenting is attention when it comes to building a business empire online while intentionally cultivating a thriving life at home with kids well there is no roadmap it's not easy But the great news is we're not alone. We live in a crazy world that is truly unlike any other time in our history. And if you're like me, you've got an impact of your own to make, but you're not willing to sacrifice your relationship with those that you love in order to get it. My name is Stephanie Dove Blake, and this is the Powerful Parenting Journey podcast, where we'll journey together to learn what it means to be a truly powerful parent. Let's go. Guys, I am so excited to introduce you to my guest today. I actually met this guest on a, uh, actually inside of a mastermind. So we had uh, the privilege and so much fun getting to work together on some of the projects that he had going on. And I soon realized that this person was abnormal and and in like the best way possible. He was very different, Uh, walks around, carries a light with him and someone who prioritized family and prioritized integrity and had a heart that was beating to do something great in the world. And, you know, nowadays it can be difficult to find that, especially the combo of like wanting to make a difference, wanting to show up successfully, as well as wanting to prioritize family. And so I want to welcome here, Justin Guarini. I have had the pleasure of getting to meet a lot of people and it's just a something to find someone who, again, like I said, prioritizes family, uh, prioritizes being a good human, right? Like, and um, in the midst of everything that you've got going on, I mean, if you go and you just look, read Justin's Wikipedia, (laughs) I I don't even know, like, do you even sleep? I don't know. I do, but not as much as I'd like to. And I feel like, especially lately, um, you know, you and I met towards the beginning of an entrepreneurial journey for me that's, you know, been five years in the making now. And I still feel like I'm just getting started because, and I think you said something to me when, when you were coaching me one time, it's like, I feel like you're creating your own unique path to the top of the mountain. (laughs) You know, remember you saying that to me, it's like, oh, I kind of am because nobody's doing it the way I do it. And I think People maybe who have gotten to the level of success um, that I have in the entertainment industry just rely on that and maybe rest on that. And I'm not saying rest on their laurels, but I'm I'm more focused on legacy. And I just know that with the passion that I have, not only to perform, but to serve as well, that I can achieve so many of my goals while at the same time serving and making sure that people in my community learn from my mistakes and learn from my experience. So Justin, not to just like dive right into the deep waters of everything, but but yeah, let's dive into the deep waters of everything. (laughs) What, what, why do you think that you have that drive? Like, it's almost like I picture someone who's like, Hey, 
Um, I've got this candle to live my life, right? My candle represents my life and I'm just going to burn it all out by the time I get to the end, right? Like I just want to live and give and leave it all out there. And and that's definitely a sense for me. I feel that in my own bones, right? Um, what is it in you? Do you feel like you, where do you get that from? Do you, you feel like it had anything to do with how you were raised or sure. do you think it's something else? What do you, what are sure, your thoughts? Sure. Well, a couple of things of what you said. There's the, the, when the image of, I have this candle and I'm going to burn it down to the very end. I love that. But I think there's a, there's a bit of a, a nuanced thing for me. When I think of that metaphor of what you just said, I have this candle, I'm going to burn it down to the end. It's like, I have this candle. And I think the, the mentality now in my twenties and thirties, and you look at Gary Vaynerchuk and like people hustle and grind, hustle and grind. Hustle. And that makes sense, right? I don't necessarily agree with all of that. Like it shouldn't be 24 seven because that's not healthy. But I think that. Yes, there was hustle and grind in my 20s, hustle and grind in my 30s, but there's a hustle and grind now in my 40s that is burning the candle from both ends, but making sure that I light as many other people's candles as possible along the way, right? That's something that in me was not there because I just didn't understand. I was ignorant to my own self-centeredness. And and there's good to be self-centered, more like in the self-possessed kind of way. Um, but it was self-centered as in the flame is mine and I've got to protect this flame from everybody else. But the flame's not going to blow out. You know, God gave me this flame. God, and I can't, it cannot be snuffed out whether I'm here on this plane or not. Like, right, you know, I have, I have that as I believe everyone does. And so- Yes, that. Light as many candles, other candles, or show people like, hey, you don't have to be afraid of your candle going out. And yet it was it was part of the reason why it's because of the way I was raised and who I was raised by. And I feel like uh, our generation, maybe uh, yours and mine, um, is one of the last generations to be raised by people who had a hand and who understand the sort of the old world. Oh right, gosh, the yeah. pre-digital world, the agricultural world of America, right, and so, yeah. uh, and and it, it wasn't great, <laughs> right? There, there's a lot of things that were wrong. Uh, uh, pre, you know, seventies, uh, eighties, you know, there are a lot, a lot of things that weren't great, but also there were these things that were tried and true, these ideas and ways of living that come from the old world and have lasted throughout the centuries. And I mean, like putting aside misogyny and like horrible ways women yeah, were treated and, and race issues, but all that aside, obviously those are not great. But so I was raised by a black man who was chief of police, the first black chief of police in Atlanta, Georgia, right? Okay. Seat of the South, one of the seats of the South. And so you know, he would tell me stories about how when he was young in the 40s, he would go, he would uh, grow up, he grew up in Atlanta in the city, but then he would go out to the country. And every six months or so, all the kids and the cousins and everybody would line up outside and they would take, I believe it was castor oil, right? And so they'd spend the next like day or two just eliminating, as Tony Robbins likes to say, from uh, both ends. And so, and they never went to the doctor, right? They never got sick. There was all these interesting ways before refrigeration. And so I've got all of this old world work, right? Yeah. With your hands and, and really putting your entire being into service and working and building something. Yeah. 
And then on the other hand, my mother was uh, an anchor woman for CNN when it first started up in 1982. So I remember waking up at some ungodly hour and watching her put makeup on in the, the dressing room and then going out and watching her read the news in the morning and playing on the set, going to breakfast with the weatherman and and being around the lights and the cameras and and the pomp and the circumstance of media. Wow. And, and then the two of them. So, and for her, she has that same work ethic. She knew that in 1978, when she was an anchor woman at the local Columbus, Georgia, uh, Channel 6, she knew that when she got pregnant and she had me by C-section, by the way, she mm-hmm. knew that if she did not get back to her job after she'd had me, they'd replace her because she was a woman in a male industry in the late 70s. And so what she did, she had me, she spent a couple days in the hospital and then she had to drive her from home to the studio every single day. And she kept working after having me with a C-set, like, because she knew she's like, they're going to replace me like that. If I said, and so that drive, and then she went from local to what would then be national news, 24 hour news. And so all of that coupled with this I don't know where it came from desire. Well, I mean, I know where it came from, but like this desire to to entertain and perform and to shine this this light is all why I do what I do. And I love it. I'm passionate oh, if you can tell about it. So, so powerful. And you can see the evidence of that just even, um, you know, in everything that you do that you put out. I mean, there's all this passion there. And so I'm so thankful for your mother and for her pioneering what she did at that time and your dad and just pouring into you. But right. I'm curious about those relationships with your parents. Yeah. You know, obviously as uh, as a as a woman working in news uh specifically at CNN, what what did that look like for you as you grew up and you got older? What kind of like if you think back on time with your mother, maybe you could tell us some times when you felt like the most connected to your mom. Um it's interesting. I my parents got divorced when I was five, and in comes to my life my stepfather, who worked for the government, um, worked for a, a lot of private. Right? Sorry. He was a yeah. physicist. Oh right? yeah, physicist and wow. an electrical engineer. I mean, like Ooh. just genius. And he worked for the government, and he did a lot of stuff in in um, the navy, right? And so he did a lot of stuff on the on the navy side, and and um, what would you call that intelligence gathering, if you will, and so. It was just so interesting. I had this trifecta of three like type A (laughs) people in my life, like as my parents, right? And all three of them were just so excellent in their way. And um, so with my mom, the times that I felt most connected to her, and it's so interesting because I I feel more connected to her now than I ever did when I was growing up. Because I think just the the things that she was going through in her own process of, of figuring out how to, cause she, she was on CNN, she had this career path and then things didn't work out with my dad and she moved back up North. So it's like, she completely had to start all over again mm-hmm. and went from being a journalist who went to Temple University, studied journalism, had worked her way up to what was the pinnacle at the time of news media to then having to completely start over again. Mm. And so it was interesting to watch her go through that as a child and then to also be that child who would move around a lot. And, oh, yeah. and so I don't know that connection 
like that was even a thing for me when I was growing up. Mm. And I think it might be why I fight for such a connection with my children now, right? Because I know that my mom loves me. I know that my dad loves me. I know that my stepdad loves me, right? But there were times because of who they are and because of the way they love and because of the people they were raised by, right? That generation of, you know, the silent generation and the, and, mm-hmm. and all that, right? That they were raised by, that they didn't often know how to express it yeah, in a way that like I received it, right? I'm a very much, um, you know, my love language is like, is touch and like, right? And it's like, even when I'm just your friend, it's like, I'll, I'll, I'll always touch you and whatnot. And I always have to remind myself, like, oh my goodness, it's 2023. Like I have to be careful, right? I don't want anybody <laughs> to get the wrong impression, but like, you know, so I'll, I'll just do this with my hands, you know what right. I mean? Because, I'm just <laughs> because that's the way I show love and connection and care, right? But it, again, I want to be respectful of people's space. And so I always like the one thing i say is like my children will may question all kinds of things about my parenting but they will never ever question whether or not they are loved mm, that's powerful so what are some of the things you do in your home that you focus on in order to make sure that message comes through for your children uh i am always like just constantly showing them love in my way which is like giving them hugs and like making sure we have eye connection and uh we were like in the mornings, in the mornings, like this morning, like I always come in and I always like sing them awake, but I sing something stupid or silly. And it's like, it's time to get up. It's time to get up. Or like, I'll sing good morning, good morning. I sing that to my kids too. Yeah, right. Like, yeah. And they hate it mostly, you know, which I love. (laughs) But like, I'll come in, I'll rub it. Like, so the mornings are, are really fun. And then, you know, we'll just go on adventures. Cause I'll be busy. I'll be doing all these things. I'm in this season of sewing. And so it's really important to just make sure that I connect with them. And like, either we go somewhere or we do something, or even if it's simply five minutes of me getting into their world, like my son Asher, like loves YouTube videos of things that he's found, like all kinds of stuff. And I'll sit with him and I'll watch. He's like, Hey, will you watch this with me? And like, yeah, sure. Right. He loves this site called that 19. Have you ever heard of that 19? I haven't heard that one. I'm going to have to Oh my goodness. It's like the wackiest, wildest gifts. It's basically where you go to just blow endless amounts of money on (laughs) the weirdest, wildest, awesomest gifts and stuff. So they'll do, because they're smart, they'll do YouTube videos like reviewing their own products that they have in their store. So that, and then my son, William, loves soccer, right? And so he and I, sometimes in the living room, because it's big enough, we'll like, we'll play around and dribble around or or whatnot. I try and get into his world. And just last night I was sitting with Lola, my 18-year-old, and her boyfriend. And we were just chatting about everything from from government to what's going on in the schools and, and just a wild, wild conversation. It's always trying to connect. What I hear you saying is that for you, what you prioritize is that quality of time, not necessarily the quantity, but absolutely with them. Cause I used to think it was quality. That's a brilliant insight. Cause I used to think it was quantity mm-hmm. and it's not, uh, it is that quality of time, right? I, I, I the trying to spend the, the quantity of time ends up kind of being a mess, right? And I end up feeling like victimizing myself sometimes. And like, I think like, and and I sacrifice in a way that might not be uh, helpful overall, right? Not, might not be useful. And so I recognize 
And a lot of this came from the work that I do inside uh, of Wake Up Warrior, which is a membership I've been a part of Garrett J. White's world for, gosh, I don't know, five years or so right now. Actually, he, he helped inspire the uh, entrepreneurial journey that I'm on. And wow. while I may not agree with many, or not many, some of the things that he says and the positions that he takes, and he's very much, he's, he's, he's polarizing to say the very least, the, the foundational elements of body spirituality, relationships, and business being, you know, the core four elements of a man's life and the understanding of what it means to be a king and a leader and a real man, uh, as opposed to um, a lot of the ego-driven, misogynistic, harmful, toxic males that you will see in influencer roles today and in the media today. Um, that's really powerful. And so, yeah, and that's a, that's a conversation that has come up, quality time versus quantity. I think that um, it's, I hope that it's such a breath of fresh air for anybody who's listening because most entrepreneurs and I, I think most parents, whether you're an entrepreneur or not, you feel like this need to just, you know, quantity, 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 quantity. Mm-hmm. And it's so difficult, especially in today's world when we are also busy, there's so many things to do. We get notifications from every which way, you know, all of these options. I mean, we have brought the world into our homes in a way that is profound. I think that we won't even know the effects of that truly for another couple of decades, most Mm -hmm. likely. Mm -hmm. Um, But it has done something the way that we think. And then whenever we're thinking about how can we show up and just be there and be there and be there and be there and be there. But in reality, I think it's really about um, helping our children feel seen and feel heard And that comes through, you know, a lot of different ways. Like, I love that you mentioned physical touch. That's for me and my, my kids, I am always touching them. I'm always hugging them or petting their head or just loving on them, especially my young journey. She's nine years old and the girl cannot get enough cuddles. And I am quote unquote, warmy. I just want y'all to know I'm warmy. And, and she just, she loves that. And, um, so the, the physical touch, but then also that seeing of who they are, right? Like the moments where you can, and and this is true for any people that are in our lives, right? To be able to actually see who they are. It's that words of affirmation. It's affirming that I see who you are. And a lot of people get words of affirmation wrong. They think it's compliments, right? And Mm. words of affirmation is my love language. I don't want to um, be told, oh my gosh, Stephanie, you're beautiful. Oh, Stephanie, you're so smart. Like that's cool. But that's words of affirmation is is affirming who someone is. And if we can be in our children's lives in a way that we can see who they are, we can see their soul. There's Mm -hmm. something very profound and powerful about that in parenting itself, being able to see who our children are. And so sitting down and conversating with Lola and then getting into Asher's world and watching those videos and, and having that commonplace, it's like, oh, dad sees that I like this and dad's willing to spend that time with me. Yeah enjoying what I enjoy. Like that's going to affirm who he is. And then showing up with William and rooting for him and cheering for him in soccer. Like that's some powerful parenting you're doing there, Justin. That's, uh, that's incredible. Thank you. thank you. Yeah. And I, I love what you said in terms of them being seen and that words of affirmation for me. Yeah. It, it's so interesting because I mean, my love language Really, I mean, it's like that. I show my love in in a kinesthetic way, right? Yeah. But you know, when it comes to the, the love languages, like mine is service. Like oh, wow. I really, ta- when I take care of people, that's when I feel like so good. Wow. And yet, there's there's traps in that. <laughs> there's a trap in that where I found myself enabling 
bad behavior, or I should say poor behavior, right? Enabling yeah. uh, behavior that doesn't necessarily serve me or serve someone else. And I think I always, because I love service, because I love to take care of people, when it comes to my kids, I'm always mindful of wanting to serve them, wanting to be there for them, with them, but also making sure that they understand how to take care of themselves, oh, understand a level of independence, role modeling service, but understanding that that service needs to be, they need to be a part of their service to themselves. Ooh, that's right? You Ooh. know, like, and, and so it's like learning because like greatest lesson I'll ever teach them is that no one's coming to save you. Mm-hmm. No, and I had to learn that the hard way. I was like, if I can save people, if I can help people, they'll help me, right? Same thing happened uh, even with American Idol and, and, and being at the height of fame and celebrity uh, at one point in my career. It's like, oh, if I just do good work and do a good job, they'll take care of me, right? Trap, lies, not going to happen. No one is coming to save you. No one is coming to save your children. I can do everything in my power to helicopter parent and all that stuff. But at the (laughs) end of the day, at the end of the day, I cannot save my children from the choices that they will ultimately make. And so I've had to learn, okay, I can spend this equality of time with And then if I can begin to steward them in a way that as especially the 10 and 11 and 18 for sure at this point, like how can I help them role model service, but help them to serve themselves and set themselves up for success in a world that is moving so fast and their brains move so fast. And my kids along with myself are riddled with ADHD, which I think is a superpower when you can use it right and not be used by it. Right. So so that's it. So yeah, for sure. I love that. That's so, so, so great that you made that distinction of like, What, what does that look like for you? So like if someone's listening and they're like, well, how do I show my kid that Nobody's, I mean, obviously you can say it, but like, how does that come out in what you do for them and, and getting like, can you think of an example where you're encouraging that self-governing? 100% and self-governance is such a great way to put it. It's such a great way to put it, especially with the way our country is headed at this moment, right? In terms of governance in general, right? And so self-governance is going to be even more important. I think moving forward from here on out, no matter what side of the spectrum you belong on or feel like you're on. Um, so. What I love to do, and maybe this is just me understanding my own you know, strengths and weaknesses, it's like the, the more I can set myself up for success, that's mm-hmm. it. And it's like set myself up for success. And when any parent who's listening will understand that when you have an infant that is just starting to crawl or just starting to walk, anytime you walk in a room, you're playing a chess match. You're thinking six moves ahead. Oh, there's that outlet over there. Oh my goodness, there's that chokeable thing right there. There's that, yeah. that you know what I mean? You're right, you're right. You remember yeah. that? And so I, right. and so I was that guy, like any observant parent would be. And, you love them. You love right, them. Because you love them. You don't want them to be hurt. And so the same thing now, I think, okay, where are the points, the weak points that cause, you know, conflict? Mornings. They don't want to get up. I understand because when I was 12, I literally would sit up in bed and just do that, right? Because hormones, all kinds of things are happening. So it's how do I set them up for success? It's like, okay, the night before, let's set out all your clothes. Let's, Let's get everything done so that when we wake up, you just hop in the shower, you hop out and you have everything. You, It's like decision fatigue is a real thing, even for 
kids. Mm -hmm. And so if I can reduce the the number of decisions that they have to make in the morning when their brains are still uh, waking up, great. Another thing is post-school. And I mean, this stuff sounds basic probably to the majority of people, but for me, you know, as a man, as someone who has really taken a, a, a front of the driver's seat when it comes to childcare and child management and figuring out what, who, what, when, and where the other, making sure that they have food. Like yeah. when they get off the bus, they're so hangry. Yes. Because their, their lunch is like at 11 a.m. or something mm-hmm. silly in school. And now it's four and they're starving. Yeah, especially so, teenage boys. Yeah, you know what I mean? Especially yeah. the boys, they're growing. And so it's it's just making sure I think ahead, making sure I play the chess match. It's like, how can I, at those weak points, or those points of contention, how can I make them smoother? How can I avoid conflict and create a scenario or a situation that encourages that self-governance, encourages and helps them to uh, avoid I would say easily solvable problems, right? Yeah. Gonna be problems. If you're going to, if you're going to go down in flames sometimes mm-hmm. with, with, with our parenting and our, whatever, you know, hill we choose to die on, yeah. um, why not make it one that's worth, worth it? You know what I'm saying? Like, yes. And I love that you said it sounds basic, but, um, I think it's kind of time in parenting that we get back to the basics, you know, um, yes. I feel like things have been changing so drastically and rapidly and, and yes, we're learning and we're growing as a society to do things better. But I also feel like, man, just things don't have to be complicated. Uh, A a date night with your kid can be as simple as, you know, going together and then like, you know, you you put them to sleep. Yeah, we call them pajama parties. You know, they get put to sleep and then you go and you wake them up and then you bring them into the living room or we would do ice cream runs in the pajamas, you know, just. (laughs) Some out of the box, just just connection, just fun ideas. Yeah. It, it doesn't mean you have to go on some phenomenal vacation or get them hooked up in some kind of really cool class that you do yes. together. Like it can just be the basics. It can be meals together. Yes. You know what it is? It's like I, I think what I'm hearing from what you're saying is, you know, we think, oh, in order to have a connection with my child, I need to go on that vacation. Yeah. I need to go somewhere and do something. But it's, it's something that I, I try and tell my students all the time in the audition secrets world and everything. It's like fame is for suckers. Mm. Fame is not the thing that you want. Fame is a tool to leverage in order to get what you want. Well, it's the same sort of thing in parenting. The, the doing of stuff is not what you want. That is not the cachet. The cachet, and we know this in business as much as we can know it in parenting, is attention. Yes. If you can give focused attention when your child has your attention in a world that is constantly trying to knock you off your center, in a world that, like you said before, is constantly trying to get your attention, constantly trying to stop the scroll, constantly trying to hook story off for you, constantly trying to get you to look in the direction that they want you to look, when you can focus your attention, and this children have it too, right? And when you can focus your attention on your child and give your child attention, it can s- simply be at home on your couch, looking at something together, playing a board game, having a simple five-minute conversation where you don't look at your phone, where you're not distracted by a device or any of that. I mean, that is more powerful than 
a seven day trip to Bahamas where you got to deal with the airplane, where you got to deal <laughs> yes. with, the, the, with the vacation that you need a vacation from, you know, like oh all God, that. Yes. I've been on so the, much more powerful. Oh. It's attention is the, is the cachet, I think. Yeah. And so the thing I'm really, really interested in uh, mm-hmm. is, you know, when as human beings, we were all grown up in a certain way. And mm-hmm. so as we look at how we were parented and how we, how that has affected how we're currently parenting on top of personality styles, Mm-hmm. You know, being extrovert or introvert, how does that affect your parenting? And sometimes we are pulling from this history of how we were parented and we're trying to overcompensate, right? Because I never had this thing, so I am going to do this thing. And I think that can be in major stress or it can yeah. be in health, right? Yeah. And so I personally feel like, you know, what you're describing from, you know, how you were parented and, you know, you reflected back and it's like, you know, I, I don't know that I felt like I had that much connection because there's a lot going on. Your mom had to move around. There's so many things happening. Um, but in your own parenting, you are coming over and you're saying, Hey, I wanted that. And I didn't have it kind of like I thought I should have had it or wanted to have it. So I'm going to make sure that I have this with my children. Yes. And I think that that is um, super powerful for us as parents to take inventory of yeah. and say, what what are the things that I had in my parents that maybe I'm either, you know, in a very healthy way trying to make sure my children have because I didn't have it. Also, yeah. what are the things you're maybe trying to avoid that maybe isn't healthy? You know, like my parent did this one thing. I'm never going to do that. Like right. your friend. And she just mentioned to me, she was like, well, I was parented this way and I will never discipline my child that way. Um, and, you know, spanking and all of that aside, it was just kind of like saying no. like. Yeah. Tell your kid no. Well, I don't know. Da, da, da. And I've read that this has this consequences and this is, and um, you know, so she's hard. so staunch from her own yeah. you know, experience that she's wounded from it. And yeah. and so for her to bring that into her parenting, is she's she's struggling. It's very difficult for her and trying to see which way is up and down. And so I think it's so important for us to take, like I said, inventory of like, mm-hmm. what am I doing? What am I, what do I perceive as super important? And what am I trying to avoid? Well, who is that parent that I just am trying not to be? And so I'm, I'm curious, Justin, if there's, if you have like an idea in your mind, maybe not of your own parents, but maybe mm-hmm. like for me, I have a parent of a friend of mine whenever I was a kid, I was like, I will never, ever yes. be like that. Oh, of course. Yeah. That's a really good point. And I don't think, I don't know if I've ever thought of it that way, but it's so apparent, um, my desire to serve and especially my boys, my daughter has really gravitated because they're so similar to my wife. Always has. Fine. Love that. And yet it's so interesting to see because she is not demonstrative when it comes to her. That's not her love language, right? But the other night she was like, I, I love the way you move. Like I've always aspired to move the way you move. And it's like, oh, really? For me, it's like, oh my goodness, really? Like what? And so... She's, she was, she's more like a sort of like a undercover, like love bug, you know, <laughs> secret love bug. And, <laughs> and you don't, she'll every once in a while that she'll just, she'll be demonstrative about it. You're like, oh my goodness, I didn't even know you felt that way. And then being a teenager on top of that in this yeah. world, you know, teenagers are taught, especially nowadays with the, with how invasive social media is and, and, and everything. It's like, you know, I don't feel anything. Right. Is they put that front up, which is the, the complete opposite of the truth. But with my boys, I think 
I have to really be careful about striking a balance between, again, wanting to take care of them and serve them and give them things in terms of service that I never had, Mm -hmm. right? Sort of real hands-on parenting. Because my parents were more, and this is not a negative thing, they were more career and success oriented because they had jobs that were very much like you had to be on it. It wasn't clocking in nine to five. They were leaders, like literally in leadership positions in every state. My mom was a producer, right? And my, my stepdad would, led a team that created the F-A-18 airplane. Like, and then my father was wow. chief of police. He said, you know, I, I, uh, I ran the world's largest kindergarten and they all carry guns. Like that was his mentality. <laughs> and so like, that's what I grew up around. And so I want my children to be leaders, but not so driven by the idea of success and uh, and and money and all those things and, and so the vanity metrics necessarily. Yeah. So that's it. I don't know that I don't want to be like any of my parents um, because I really like the majority of the way that my parents were. And obviously there's yeah. certain flaws that I know that I have to fight against, you know, mm-hmm. sort of the generational curse sort of things. And yet I feel like, especially now, Maybe not when I was younger. And then during the pandemic, I felt so exposed. Mm. And I found that the thing that was the thing that I really needed to work on was anger and rage. And where that came from was suppressing my own feelings, suppressing my own desires, like trying to... You know, it's like having that savior sort of complex. And again, service being my love language is the thing, right? Like, yes. you know, and, and what happens has happened to every single savior throughout history. They get crucified. They get, <laughs> right? You know what I mean? Like, that's it. And that's why it, it's so interesting to hear Tony uh, Robbins or even Garrett uh, J. White be like, I'm not your savior. I'm not your savior. I will be your guide, but I'm not your savior. And I, I have to remember that. Always, because when I try and be someone's savior, when I try and put them on my back and carry them up the mountain, eventually when I get up the mountain, usually they resent me, yeah. right? And you, and I, you know what I mean? It's like all those things, and you know this so with your own company, right? When you're just like, fine, I'll do it for you, and then you get there and they have complaints, right? right. Meanwhile, you've done it for them. So I have to remember, I am a guide, and it's my job to guide my children through life. And I told I told my son this the other day. It's like it is my job to help you learn how to make good choices mm-hmm. so that when you go off into your own life, you can make the choice and you make all the mistakes you want to make, right? But at least you'll have a foundation and you won't be getting in your own way nearly as much, right? Yeah. And I'm talking about like cleaning up after yourself, like those things, like those little dumb things that when they add up, they're such a mess. So that's it for me. I, I mean, obviously my parents, like any parents, including myself, have, have flaws and stuff, but I really... It's the guide. I have to remember, I'm a guide. I'm a guide. I'm a guide. And what the toughest thing is, is that I want to be their best friend. Yes. <laughs> be their best friend. But I have to realize I'm your dad. My job is to be your father and your guide first before your best friend. The best friend thing will come later, right? Well, 100%. <laughs> like, 100%. And I know that you're seeing that now with Lola, right? Mm-hmm. And so with my oldest son, Josiah, mm-hmm. um, you know, I got to go do something with him yesterday and it was truly like having a best friend. Uh, he's, he's 20 years old and he, he wrote me the sweetest mother's day thing. And, you know, he was like, I I just, you know, like an unexpected thing. I didn't expect my mom to be my best friend and, you know, he's going to have best friends come and go and things like that. But 
I'm his no mama one's going to be his mama though. And, and that's good though, as, as they age, you know, because yeah. the relationship has to change. You can still yeah. be their guide, but there also becomes this like, you're an adult now. And our relationship is, is going to be this way. And I've done all this work, but like, ultimately right now you have to make your own decisions. And I think that's such a hard thing, right? Justin, like as parents, we can, sew, we can, sew, we can, sew, we can pour into our children and we can say all the things. Um, but ultimately, even if I feel like, even if we did everything, you know, quote unquote, right. I don't know if there is necessarily a right because every child is so different. There's no textbook, right? Everything's so, uh, intentionally, they can ultimately choose because there are external factors. I, I hate to say this, but it's also a freeing thing to me is that parenting is not solely up to me. The way my kids turn out is not solely up to me. God is involved. Mm-hmm. Also too, there are other people in my children's lives. There are other stories that are going to make their way into my mm-hmm. child's life apart from me, apart from what I, that's where that helicopter parenting comes in. Like no more stories from anybody else. No more this, no more lessons, no more guides. Like I'm your guide, but that's right. not healthy, right? Because no. they have to become self-governing where they can be put in a situation and they may, maybe you are the voice they hear. Maybe it it's God speaking to their heart or, or, or them just choosing right from wrong of, of their own fruition. But ultimately as parents, we can only do what we can do. And then we're just choosing to let them, you know, be their guide and letting them make their own decisions. And that, I think that's so difficult. Don't it you? I mean, it is. Oh. of course it's difficult because what do you want to do? You want to save your children from any harm or pain or things like that. But, but it's the, I mean, just think about in your life and my life and, you know, whoever's listening and watching to this lives, if we really dig into it, it is the moments of suffering. It's the moments of pain. It's the moments of huge mistakes that ultimately make us who we are, right? Mm-hmm. Now, again, I love to tell my students, everything you want, the body of your dreams, the spiritual connection of your dreams, the relationships of your dreams, whether that's with a, a partner or your your family or your friends, the business of your dreams, career of your dreams, all of that is waiting for you. Everything that you ever want is waiting for you just on the other side of your willingness to fail. Mm. That's it. That's it. There's no, nothing that we, I mean, whether it's the cell phones, shoes, anything that you, it is everything that is anything successful is built on the back of failure, massive failure usually. And so, yeah, as much as I want to save my children from that, I can't, it would be doing them a disservice. And there's so many wonderful things that you said in, in, just the last you know, paragraph that you stated, there's something that I'm kind of forgetting them right now. But um, I just love the idea of really making sure that I let them make their own choices, but at the same time, Letting I know I'm not raising them, Yeah. but I also know that I can control at this point, to a certain extent, their sphere of influence and who they hang around matters, right? And I used to get so pissed off my parents when they wouldn't let me hang out with certain kids. I was like, come on, they're fine. And I said, later on in life, I'm like, thank you for not letting me hang out with those people because they were headed in the wrong direction quickly. Hey, powerful parents, Stephanie here. I hope you're enjoying the show so far. Did you know that statistics show that 88% of Americans say they eat dinner with their family every night or a few times a week? I think that's a pretty awesome stat. But if you're anything like me and you're an entrepreneur, then after a day filled of putting out fires and maybe various events testing your patience, sometimes it's hard to think of questions that can help you really connect with your kids beyond the standard, how was your day? 
When my kids were just littles, I put together a list of questions to solve this problem and to help us have something to connect with over dinner time. And now I would love to share my curated dinner questions with you. This is good for littles and for bigs. There's lots of different varying questions in there. And these questions are going to help to ensure that the conversation is not just lively, but will bring you closer to your children while you enjoy a delicious meal together. As a listener of this podcast, you can get access to these questions at www.powerfulparentingtribe.com. Once you're there, make sure to type in your best email and I'll have my team shoot over the questions for you. Once you get the questions, I encourage you to make this a family affair. Print them out. Have your kids help you cut them out. We even grabbed a mason jar and my kids decorated it. And that's where we put all of our questions. And that same mason jar still sits on or near our dinner table to this day. We've been using these questions for close to eight years now, and I've really enjoyed the fun conversation and connection that's come from them. I hope your family enjoys them as much as mine have. Again, that's www.powerfulparentingtribe.com. Now back to the show. Nowadays, we have the situation that I feel like it's more prevalent than it is not in the majority of all American homes and across the world, which is that we don't often consider the fact that whenever a kid has a phone or a device or even on games nowadays, there are people we don't know, people we cannot see that are hanging out with our kids. There mm-hmm. and uh, you know our kids play games, and and so I'm going to kind of transition into this conversation around yes. screens in our home. Yes. Um, uh, you know, we're, we are a techie family, like, and I love that. And this is not about being anti-technology. It's about being pro connection. Right. And so I am pro my kids being on technology. I do believe that especially at different ages and different stages of life, they need less access versus yeah. getting more access. And I then agree. going back to the self-governing, you know, towards the end, whenever they're towards the end, like, oh, they leave and everything's over. But like, right. you know, 16, 17, 18, maybe even 15, it depends on the child, you know, the self-governing of, of being on devices at certain times and like, what are they having access to? But I, I feel like it's very much so where we have all of these relationships that we just invite into our child's life. Mm. That oftentimes I think a lot of parents walk around just completely unaware. Oh, 150%. Yes. The lack of awareness. And, and again, it comes down to, well, you know, I didn't have that growing up or I didn't have these things. So I want to make sure that my children have them. And there's a trap inherent in that where we can swing a little bit too far sometimes and give access. It's, it's like, uh, my nine-year-old came to me at like, you know, 1130 and I'm sitting at the kitchen table, like just trying to relaxing and looking at my phone and just right before I go to bed. And all of a sudden he comes walking in and he's just like that. And he's, he's tall for his age. He's 10. And he's like, come on. And he gets up in my lap and it's like trying to hold a giraffe, you know, it's like trying to hold a baby giraffe and you're like, okay. And I love it. Right. And one part of me loves him. The part of me is like, oh my gosh, how do I handle this lanky child? And, uh, and he starts talking to me about these like deeply emotional things. The emotional intelligence and the emotional IQ of children now baffles me because he was talking about things at 10 that I didn't even start to remotely consider until like it was like 16, 17, 18, maybe not even until my 20s, right? And so it's the way I see it in my mind is it's like trying to jam a football into a thimble, right? It's like you have all these complex ideas and yet a 10-year-old's capacity for processing those things, while they may have the mental capacity to conceptualize them, it's the processing element that is not matured yet because of life experience, because of all, right? It's like, and so it's this constant like 
grind of trying to fit all of this information and all this input that comes via the screens many times. Sometimes like, and you got to be careful because the most innocent of games that you download from the app store will then have, because it's, you know, there are ads in there, will have ads for these really adult things, like these really interesting, not interesting. There's really like intense sometimes like relationship games. And like, you know, it's like, ah, what is that? You know? And, and so I think we, and maybe it was a mistake. I don't know because, and I think to myself, it's a mistake that we allowed my middle son, William, to have access. And I say, we, even though I didn't, I wasn't consulted first and that's a bit of a bone (laughs) of contention. But, you know, it's like all of a sudden it was like Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, boom, which I would not have agreed to at at such a young age. Um, Although a lot of his friends have access to everything and that's that parenting, that unaware parent, I I think that's happening. And so as much as I can, I try and, you know, thank goodness for screen time and all those things because I... I limit at least guardrails, right? I try yeah. to put guardrails on things. And, and let me just tell everybody who's listening, if you don't know, Screen Time is actually an app on the iPhone that mm-hmm. you can actually utilize. You can set up a family and then your kid's phone can be under this app essentially. And that you can limit um, when their phones uh, literally power off or well, just the access is limited at a certain time right. for bedtime right. when it wakes up and allows them to access in the morning, as well as you get to see how long are they spending on what apps. And one of my favorite parts about screen time is that we can have this conversation about how precious life is and yeah. how much time do we want to expend vegging on social media Yes, right? and, and starting to have this, con- especially around the ages of, you know, 13, 14, 15, well, when you're doing that, how are you choosing to spend your life? And there's nothing wrong with entertainment. You know, there's nothing wrong with vegging something or, or whatever in and of itself. But ultimately, when we look big picture as our child being a whole little human being person there, you know, they can rationalize. And it's like, I want to spend my life in a way that, you know, for us honors God or uh, in, in a way that honors the life that I want to live. And and screen time affords you that. And so if you are not aware, there's also a, a version I believe it's called parental controls on Android phones as well. And I think at a minimum, you know, Justin, I just want to applaud you because there's so many parents who do they just don't know, or they just, it's technology. They don't want to take the time to figure it out. Mm-hmm. It's an extra thing. Um, mm-hmm. But you're doing that for your kids. And, and it makes a big difference because you can um, help protect them from a lot of things, especially at the younger ages when they are, you know, eight, nine, 10, 11, when all their friends, I hate to say this, my daughter was um, literally in third grade um, at the elementary school and all of her friends had iPhones and she could yeah. not comprehend why she couldn't have an iPhone as well. And um, in our home, I don't know if this will change. And this is just what's good for our home. There's no judgment. I repeat, no judgment for anyone listening. But in our home, like my uh, second son, both of my sons did not get their phone until they turned 17 years old. Ooh, I wish. I know that's insane, right? It, it's No, insane. it's not insane. It's probably it's it's probably the healthiest thing that you could do for them. And and go ahead, finish your finish your thought. Well, please. I was just gonna say they thank me for it. They're 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 glad I did that. Um, and my daughter's like, seriously, mom, I'm 14. I'm gonna have to wait till I'm 17. Da, da, da. And you know, it just we were homeschooling family. It just it made sense for us, right? Yeah. But I feel 
some families that are just phenomenal. They have incredible children and their kids were given phones at much younger ages. Um, and that's why I think it's about what you're talking about with screen time, tapping in. Hey, what are you looking at on your phone? How's that going? You know, um, what, what, what have you, what have you really been enjoying whenever you're on your phone? And I say, you're right. on the phone for like an hour, what, you know, right. and, and being there in their lives and having those conversations. So I just, I wanted to interrupt to just make sure that if you're listening to this, there are things that will help you because an iPhone out of the box is meant for an adult. It is not meant for a child. It, it the, All the restrictions, there's no restriction set, especially mm. for young, young kids. They can see all sorts of stuff, but there's simple little buttons. You just swipe the button and it makes sure that they can't see adult content. Very exactly. That part's pretty darn easy, but so many people just don't know because it's not a conversation that everybody's having, which is why I, I love having these conversations with people yeah. like you. It's so good. Sure. And, and it's just to tag onto that with screen time, you know, my children have to ask for more time for certain things. I can limit the time and like I can, I can approve, okay, you have another 15 minutes of this before bedtime or you have another thing. And, and so it again is guardrails. And yet I recognize at the same time that eight years of age, maybe eight years old, I found this VHS tape of uh, Blazing Saddles you know, the Mel Brooks movie and history of the world, you know, part one. And I mean, just off the wall, naughty, all kinds of humor in there. And I mean, I'm okay. I turned out right. And it's part of that is informed so much of, you know, it's like, had it not been for Mel Brooks and all those movies of Spaceballs and stuff like that, which I <laughs> probably shouldn't have been watching at eight. 100%. Right? Why did our parents let us watch that, Justin? I'm yeah, like, right? Yeah. Oh my goodness. It's so funny. Like when you go back and uh, I want to show my kids, um, I don't know, like uh, even Goonies or something like that. And it was like, Goonies was like PG-13. Like nowadays, those things would be like R-rated at the yeah. least. So many things that were, I mean, even PG or PG-13 we're like, there's cursing. There's all kinds, even in PG movies. Like it was crazy back in the eighties. So, so I realized like, okay, there's only so much that I can control and they are going to have more advanced thinking. They're going to be exposed. I mean, the exposure to sex and sexuality is so inherent in every facet of our lot. You cannot escape it. You can put all the guardrails and screen time things all you want to, but it's on TV. It's in the cartoons. It's in everything. And while that in and of itself is not necessarily a bad thing, I recognize that, okay, they're going to be exposed to certain things. I can put guardrails on it, but it's the line of communication that has to stay open. I don't, don't ever want to shame them for something that they either ask me or that they're not sure about, or if I, you know, walk in on them, especially my boys at a certain point, like I never, ever shame them for things regarding their body, regarding any sort of questions they have in terms of sexuality, regarding any sort of those. And I'm always like, talk to me, talk to me about it. And that's what's super important because they're going to see it. 
Which it's going to be exposed is the connection. to it. I believe yes. that's powerful parenting. Again, I'll probably say this a million times on this podcast, but um, rules without relationship equates to rebellion. Mm. And it doesn't necessarily look like rebellion against the parent. It can be rebellion in their own heart for the things that they believe that they stand yes. for. Yes. And so that relationship is the balancer, the great balancer. And as we've discussed previously, it's not necessarily the quantity, it's the quality of that relationship and leaning into that to, to develop that bond, um, to give your kid a sense of belonging, a sense of being seen. And to me, that is powerful parenting, right? But so many people make it this, 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 and this. And so it becomes convoluted and complex and hard when in reality, like we talked about before, getting back to the basics, what, what do we need as humans? We need connection. And there's, you know, anxiety and depression is on the rise with our kids. Suicide. I've heard about more middle school suicides than I ever thought possible. Just in the comments, it's it's so it's an epidemic, and yeah. I feel like screens have a uh, have to do a lot with that. Not necessarily because again, not anti technology, pro connection. Yeah. Screens are wonderful; they enhance our lives in so many different ways. But without that connection, that sense of belonging, and, and that relationship, mm-hmm. our children are suffering for it. You know. Yeah, you know, a couple things from that for me, and I, I want to touch on this because I think we've been we've talked about it and we've kind of been around it a little bit. But I think when you talk about getting back to basics, when you talk about connection, there's something that for me didn't start making sense, really, truly, deeply making sense to me until about you know the past four or five years when I've been on this journey of self-discovery, this entrepreneurial journey. And that is my relationship with God. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you might be listening to this and you think, well, that doesn't make God, Allah, Yahweh, Buddha, whatever great universe, the great nothing. I don't, it doesn't matter what you want to call it, but I feel like those middle school suicides, the Mm -hmm. depression, the anxiety are all functions of many, many, many things, right? But when it comes back to the conversation of the basics, having the understanding and the connection with yourself is difficult to do or a challenge rather to to do in a world that is constantly trying to pull you away from the self, that is constantly giving you these vanity metrics, likes, subscribers, whatever you want to call it. And, and holding up these vanity metrics as um, proof of your worth and your value. Oh my gosh, yes. Right? Right? Mm-hmm. And, it's, and we, we fall into, everyone at some point falls into it until you realize, oh my goodness, I just got, you know, 2,000 likes on my post that I put out. But if I go down to the store and I buy milk and eggs and I put it and they say, okay, that'll be, you know, $50 nowadays. But like, that'll be, you know, that'll be 50 bucks. And you don't have any money. Say, but hey, I got 2,000 likes on this post. Mm -mm. Okay, great. That'll be $50. No, but look, I got this. There's nothing. It's worth nothing, right? Hey, I got a million subscribers. Okay, great. That'll be $50 for these milk and eggs. So, you know, these vanity metrics that don't actually mean anything unless you, you know, get with Social Sparrow and you get with the other thing, you learn how to monetize them, right? Uh, But we've so gone off are the center of our axis with these vanity metrics. And what I love is that I really developed a personal relationship with God. And I, because I grew up in this world of being a very Roman Catholic and then also black Southern Baptist. And, 
two two worlds that were the same but completely different. Yeah. And yet it wasn't until I really delved into what is my own personal, my own connection, my own worship, yeah. version of worship that I began to understand and 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 still understanding the devotion that that daily, literally the, you know, I have this, the, was the, the Jesus uh, calling um, app. And like, I just read a devotion every single day and it helps remind me of his presence in my life. And that's yeah. it, the presence, right? When we can become present in our own lives and when we realize that our lives are not this corporeal vanity metric, what we see, think, and feel, there's a there's a layer behind all of that that is unchanging, that yeah. is love, that is a source of strength and guidance and, and that moral compass, yeah. you know, uh, um, and the sort of the rules with, with the relationship, <laughs> as you said, that makes sense. And, and my, and just the last thing I want to say, my son, my my probably the middle child, the most troubled of them all, really was just like, you know, I want to pray and I'm interested in God and like, and we had this conversation, and it was one of my things that I put up on sort of my yearly goals is praying with my children for just at night. And one night I was so tired, and my youngest was like, and I was laying there with him in bed, and we were snug, and he's like. Hey dad, you forgot to pray. I was like, oh yeah, 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 right? And you know, it's great when like they're reminding you of those things. And so I'm yeah. so excited that my children are interested yeah. in the concept and the understanding because right now it's just gratitude. Thank you so much for this day. Thank you for our family. Thank you for our health. Thank you for our wealth. Thank you for all the things that we have and that we get to do and that we get to experience together. And it's just love, 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 love. But I know that over time, as they get older and can understand and process it, that it's like, thank you for all that is inside me. And and it becomes about gratitude, but also about good works and about worship and about service as we move as we move forward into life. But now it's yeah. just like, I just want them to be grateful for now. Okay. So you have to listen. I just interviewed Kevin Clayson, uh, uh-huh. who I met in the inner circle and he has uh-huh. a book called gratitude, flip the gratitude switch uh-huh. and flip is actually an acronym and uh, mm-hmm. it's phenomenal. He was actually the very first person I got to interview for the powerful parenting podcast oh, good. Uh, sequentially. And you would love that. And, but Justin, what I, what I think is so apparent to me and I, and I bet for most people listening is that, what you're doing is so impactful. And I feel like as parents, whenever we choose to show up this way, mm-hmm. I believe we're on the front lines of fighting off something that I feel like is impending on our culture. And I'm not trying to be like super melodramatic or anything, but mm-hmm. the numbers show it. The numbers show what the rate of suicides, with the number of kids that are needing mental health issues. And I mean, you can just spend some time yeah. on a teenager's TikTok and you can see how much toxicity and, and, and just unhealthy thinking. And, and yes, you know, that stuff was definitely there before, but there wasn't an algorithm to feed you more and more and more of it. Right. Before, right. And so when we're doing this and, and showing up as a powerful parent in our home, we're making a difference because you're, you're teaching your kids how to carry a light and you're showing them that, and you're modeling that for them. And they're going to go out into this world where their friends are struggling and they don't feel connected. They don't feel like they have a place of belonging. And when a child feels like they belong to a home and they feel like they have a deep connection with their parent, with their mother or their father, it makes a difference in how they show up in the world. And they literally become these little world changers, even in their middle school and their high school. And I I see that with my own kids and I have parents and 
other kids come up and just say, you know, golly, man, Jude is just such a phenomenal young man. Like, what have you done? I'm like, I don't know. I mean, I'm trying to figure it out retrospectively. Um, I I know and I honor what an awesome young man he is and, and Josiah and how he chooses to show up in the world and Jocelyn and my girls as they're, you know, continuing to grow up. And so I just, I'm really proud uh, to be linked arms uh, with you in that, in that steadfast showing up for our children and to love them well, because if we can love them well, we're going to make a difference in the world. And it doesn't have to be perfect. That's right. That's the biggest thing. I mean, you homeschool children, so you know what it's like to want to flip the table over. Oh, I've literally flipped a table, Justin. I have literally flipped a table. Books went flying and I had to apologize and (laughs) yeah. But look, look, just that, just that alone. And, And then you said something, it's your modeling, right? No one is perfect. No one is going to handle the situation perfectly every single time. And yet in the times when I've gotten angry, I have yelled or I've said something hurtful, A, I recognize that I am modeling what it means to be a man for my children, for my boys. I'm also modeling the kind of man that maybe my daughter would want to find in her life, right? It's the possible, possible choice, Mm -hmm. right? And the fact that you would flip the table over and exhibit anger and rage at that moment, whether it's justified or not. <laughs> I feel like it was justified. So ju- we definitely feel like it's just, we feel like it's justified 100%, but I'm just being fair, you know, to all sides. And then apologize. Yeah. Then come back to the middle. That is role modeling healthy behavior. Yeah. That is role modeling that I can flip my wig and yet, it's always coming back and I know how to take responsibility for what I did to apologize for people I may have harmed and to make it right. And yeah, that's it, so huge. It Honestly, it was one of the most pivotal things that I think has ever happened in, in this child and mine's life. Yeah. Because it was over math. It was over math. Okay. And we, we currently, my kids go to a three-day school to university model. So we homeschool Tuesday, Thursdays. They go to mm-hmm. school Monday, Wednesday, Friday. But back in the day... I was, you know, I had a, I was nursing a baby. Like there was all this stuff going on and, you know, we definitely have some things. We are out of the box thinkers over here. If you know what I mean? Like all the Mm -hmm. ADHD and all the things. And, you know, whenever it happened, I just couldn't even believe it. Like, you know, instant, like shame and guilt. And I was like, Mm. oh my gosh, seriously, Stephanie. And so I told, told this child to go to the room, uh, their room. And I went right afterwards, uh, after I took a couple deep breaths. And went in and I just sat down next to this child and loved on, on this child. And I just said, you know what? I love you so much more than math. (laughs) It was the most ridiculous statement, but it was profound. I was crying. He was crying. And, you know, later on. There was another circumstance or something that came up and he was, you know, really dealing with something and and he was frustrated. I was frustrated. I think I was kind of jostling dishes around. You know how we do when we're a little frustrated. And he just walked up and he looked me right in the eyes and he said, Mama, I I just love you so much more than this. You know, and that was, that was, so again, if we can go back and just echo everything we've been talking about, the failures lead to beautiful and great things as long as we can seize those moments and humble ourselves and and, and get that grit and pull it up and move forward, you know? And so uh, I know we need to wrap it up here. Um, 
And I just want to kind of call out anybody who might be listening that maybe you feel like you flipped a table, a proverbial table mm-hmm. in your parenting. Maybe you've screwed up. Maybe your kids are on devices and you don't even feel connected with them anymore. Or you know that your child is really struggling, but you're just not sure where to start. And I just, I want to encourage you to pull deep within and, and find that grit and remember that it's from the failures that truly great things happen. And so if you're in the midst of all of that right now, I I just hope that this whole podcast and everything Justin's talked about and that we've had this conversation about encourages you because you are the parent for the job for your child. Despite, I feel like what a lot of circumstances will, will tell us it's like, Oh, I'm just not qualified. I'm, you know, I I screw this up. I'm that way. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I have felt that way, but whenever we lean in uh, for me and with faith, you know, and knowing that this kid was given to me for a purpose and a reason. Mm. And I'm going to own that. And if, even if I screw up, I'm going to get up again and I'm going to do better the next time. And I'm going to reach for my child's heart and, and strive in a positive way to capture my child's heart and hold on to it and just hold on to it and love on them while being their guide, right? Not their savior, Mm. but being their guide. And so uh, I just, I want to give you an opportunity, Justin, as we're kind of closing up here, if if there's a a parent listening right now who maybe is struggling or, um, you know, they're dealing with the weight of it and they're like, man, well, Justin's just, he's naturally gifted that way, you know, because he, he's had all this stuff happen to him and, you know, uh, but I I want you to maybe give some encouragement or, or just some last words for, for parents who are listening. It's never too late. Really just take that in. You know, there's the adage of, you know, what's the best time to plant a tree five years ago? What's the second best time to plant a tree today? And I will tell you that my father is 87 and it has not been until the past maybe two, yeah, two years that we have had the kind of relationship that I've always wanted to have. But why? Because I went after him, putting aside the pain, the hurt, the blame and the shame, and all those games that I was playing. I went after him because I realized that I loved him more than any of the negative things that happened. It wasn't a negative, (laughs) but like there are those things that all parents do. Mess the kids up in some way, shape, or form. You know, you know you, Steph and me, every, we're going to mess our children up in some sort of way. It just happens, oh, right? In some <laughs> yeah. way, it just happens. You cannot not do that. Right. And yet, it's never too late. Mm-hmm. If you're struggling right now, the best thing that you can do is begin to take responsibility for your own challenges. Mm-hmm. That's the root of it all. When we begin to take responsibility for the choices we make that come from maybe the, the challenging parenting we had, the challenges that we've had in life, when we begin to take responsibility, almost radical responsibility in a healthy way for those things, we begin the healing process. We begin the process of, as, as Stephanie put it, like the connection, right? Driving that connection with ourselves or, or really creating that connection with ourselves in a deeper way, we can leverage that to drive a connection with our children. And it is never too late. Keep knocking, keep knocking, keep knocking. There's a reason why your children, like like Steph said, they're in your life on purpose for a purpose. And I don't care if you haven't talked to them for five, six, seven, 10 years. 
There's a story that Garrett J. White tells about his son, Parker. He had, with his first marriage, son Parker, long story short, basically would maybe only talk with him on the holidays, once a quarter, maybe something like that, and be text, right? And one day he realized, oh my goodness, this is my first son. And again, he took this radical responsibility in his own life. And he said, you know what? I want to be the father that I I have failed to be in his life. And so he started texting Parker like every day or every couple of days. Some days he wouldn't get anything back. More often than not, he wouldn't get anything back. And if he did get something back, it was like monosyllabic, like, hey, yeah, sure. Yep. And he kept going. He kept going. It was at least a year, if not two years, before whatever that wall that was between them that Parker had put up, that he had put, he, he had cemented himself brick by brick, Garrett, oh, the father, God. had put up before that wall began to come down. And now they're closer than ever. He's part of the company. There's a connection that they're still working on, but like, my goodness, it happened. And like, so that is it. If you're willing to go there and if you're willing to love your child more than the hurt, if you're willing to love yourself more than the harm and the hurt, then the struggle is worth it. For sure. 100%. Oh, golly. And that is powerful. That is powerful, Justin. And just to wrap it up, um, if someone wants to learn more about what you're doing and what you've got going on, where are they going to connect with you, Justin? Oh my goodness. You can just connect with me at Justin Guarini, which (laughs) just look up the guy from American Idol with the hair. Uh, (laughs) and you'll find me. Well, at least one of the guys with the hair. Uh, and yeah, all across socials, my name all across socials is fine. And then if you just go to justinguarini.com, you can find out all about the audition secrets work that I do, but it is, I've, and I'm still working (laughs) again. I'm still working on making all the connections because, um, it has been a journey figuring out how to work with artists but also be a working artist at the same time at the level. So it's been so much fun to figure it out. And it's like here, I'm five years in and I finally have the product that I've wanted to have. It's my uh, star code course. And so that I'm teaching, yeah, actually I teach the last, um, oh, I teach the last session of that live um, now, today. As a matter of fact, yeah, today, not right now, no, but tonight. And so I'm excited about that. And uh, at the time, uh, probably by the time this, uh, this airs, I will be in my seventh Broadway show on, uh, in New York once upon a one more time. So come visit me in that show in New York and, and say hi, and let me know that you listen to podcasts. Cause I'd love to see you. That is phenomenal. All right, Justin, thank you so much, guys. Go check out Justin, amazing human being to follow, see what all he's got going on. And listen again, remember If you are listening to this podcast and it it can be the smallest of things that you can dive into with your kid. And it's not only just the quantity of time, it is the quality of time. So go steal five minutes, wake them up after they've already been put to bed, do a late night ice cream pajama run, like whatever it means for you, find that quality of time. And thank you so much for joining us in the Powerful Parenting Podcast. We will see you next time. I truly hope you enjoyed our episode today on the Powerful Parenting Journey podcast. Make sure to hit follow and subscribe so that you don't miss out on any upcoming episodes. You're not going to want to miss a thing. I promise. If you were impacted by this episode, do me a favor and leave a review with a comment. I read every one of them and I also pass them along to our guests. 
If this episode made you think of someone, go ahead, take a screenshot and share this episode with them or post it on your social media to share with friends. You can catch the show notes for this episode and any mentioned links at powerfulparenting.com forward slash podcast. If you want to see more behind the scenes with me and my guests, be sure to find me on Instagram or Facebook. It's where we can have deeper conversations on these podcasts. Take care. And remember, it's not about being a perfect parent. It's about taking each day and working on showing up powerfully for our kids. They deserve it. And you are the parent for the job. See you on the next episode.